This is Unstoppable with Zen Honeycutt, Episode 19, 10 Steps to a Successful Lockdown. For many of us, our children are home for the next two to three weeks or a month, and we are to refrain from going out and gathering with other people in groups of more than 50 people. Most of us are avoiding that, even if the groups are 10 or 15 people, we're just choosing to stay home and not expose ourselves and other people to each other, considering that the coronavirus may not exhibit any symptoms in us for quite a long time, for a week or two. So, you know, I know that some people think this is all just a bunch of hyped up fear. It's no more uh, of a killer than the flu. And that may be true. But the fact is, is that what we're dealing with in this society right now is unprecedented. The reaction to COVID-19 is having the government shut down many different aspects, or at least our states, right? Shut down many different aspects of our everyday life. Restaurants and bars in California are being mostly shut down. Bars are um, restaurants. You can only have, I think, half, half the capacity A lot of companies are sending home their employees, so we are working from home. And children have been sent home for two to three weeks or a month, in some cases six weeks. And the issue is is that this will probably get worse before it gets better. And most states will have children home from school, a parent needing to be home or sent home from their employer, And we will be at close quarters with our children under a time of stress, not just vacation, right, but under a time of stress. Uh, And so we we really need to have a plan. Um, It's also been notified to us in California anyway that this is not just a vacation. We do have one week of spring break, um, but the teachers will be sending home homework, right, to that they must accomplished during their time uh, that they're self-quarantining or whichever, being quarantined at home. So so they will need to get homework done. And this is not just a time, again, of, you know, um, 30 days of video game playing. Now, some people prefer to have sort of an open time frame, like an open, open schedule and just say, we're going to do whatever we feel like doing. And I'm sort of like that in some ways. Like when I wake up in the morning, I meditate on what we're what I'm going to talk about. And each morning I create what I'm going to talk about. I don't have a plan for like the next month of what I'm going to talk about because I think it will change and it will not be relevant if I plan it all out. And there's times when I'm really moved to talk about a certain thing. And the same thing with my writing. There it just I'm like a fly by the seat of your pants type of girl. I just write. It just flows from me. I don't plan it out. My husband is also a writer. He plans things out, like his characters and the, the way it's going to flow, everything. He plans things out. I don't like to plan like that with my writing. For me, it stifles my creativity. So everybody's going to be a different kind of person. But when you're dealing with other people, I see that it does behoove us to have a plan because children want to know what they can and cannot do. And in most cases, they will try to just 
push the envelope and do whatever they want to do for hours and hours and hours on end. And for most of our children, that looks like playing uh, Minecraft or Terraria in other people's homes. And in my homes, at my house, it might be, you know, Fortnite or very violent games that I do not agree with. Um, but they may be, you know, allowing their kids to play very violent games for, you know, six or eight hours a day. I don't think that's good for any human being's brain. And I disagree with it because it robs them of their time to develop skills and talents that they can feel really good about because those talents and skills can be useful in the world and build confidence in them and give an op- give them an opportunity to develop their careers or be an entrepreneur or get a great job with a company that they love or be a teacher someday. Every hour that they spend video games takes away from their future opportunities in life rather than adding to it. So we have we have a plan in our house and we have determined, you know, it, I've explained to them, you know, at the end of this month, because it will mo- most likely be a month for all three kids, th- it could go two ways. One way is it could go where, you know, we look back on it and what happened this past month. Oh, well, gee, probably paid about, played about 2000 hours of video games or something. I have no idea, but just making that number up and really nothing to show for it, right? Just a lot of sitting around playing video games. Or it could look like, hey, wow, I really use this time to do something creative. Like I learned how to play four new songs or I wrote and composed four new songs or um, I learned a hundred new words in a new language, which my children are doing. Uh, You know, I mean, they're learning new languages, right? That most children need to do that, especially in high school. Or I made, you know, 10 pieces of art and they're hanging up on the wall now or whatever that is, right? I started woodworking, whatever that is. So at the end of that month, there's going to be a result. And that result will be either that they played tons and tons of video games and I was cranky with them and we had a, you know, a rough time, like we survived each other. Or it could be that we created something together. We created projects and planted seeds and made art and did all these wonderful things. And at the end of this month, we look back and we say, wow, we thrived. We were creative. We enjoyed being together. We got out in nature and did things that we normally would never have done. And we saw this time together as an opportunity. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, our 10 steps that you can take to have a thriving, right? Successful time with your family. And, you know, I will admit I am not a parenting guru. This is just from my experience, but I have had many years of utilizing uh, things that I've learned at Landmark and from, you know, all types of inspiring parenting books and um, all, you know, all types of, all types of, uh, very knowledgeable people on ways to communicate with your family members and ways to create things rather than survive each other, right? And so most people now are in survival mode, and I'd like to interrupt that with a few things for you to think about today and how you can shift that. We talked about the paradigm shift yesterday, how you can shift that and what are some actions that you can take that will actually have you thriving in, with your family. 
Okay. And the first one that I mentioned is already, I already mentioned is to have a plan. And so that means sitting down with your family and having a family meeting and saying, okay, it could go this way, right? Thousands of video game hours, or it could go that way, which is where you've actually created something and ask them, what would you like to create? How would you like this next month to go? And if you're at the end of this month and you're looking back, what type of things have we done? What type of things have you done? What have you created? And give them some time to think about that. And so you may start this discussion in the morning at breakfast and say at lunchtime, I'd like to hear back from you, like what types of things you'd like to create and do. And your father and I will do what it takes, you know, or I will, if you're a single parent, we'll do what it takes to support you in that. Like if we need to buy you some extra paper from art, or if we need to find the woodworking tools in the garage, you know, whatever that is, um, you know, within a reasonable amount of money, we will support you in your endeavors. And so you want to have the kids get clear on what type of plan they want to have, what types of things do they want to do? How can you support them and set some structure into place? For instance, you know, from nine to 12, we're going to be doing learning and it will, here's an example of what the schedule will look like, you know, 30 minutes of math. It could be math games on, on, on websites like cool math games for kids or splash learn or Khan Academy, 30 minutes of, of, uh, you know, reading whatever book you choose, 30 minutes of writing about what you just wrote, or maybe 30 minutes first about current events or history, and then writing something about that current event or history, maybe a science project. Maybe you don't do the science project every day, but maybe it's once or twice a week. Um, you know, that to have them be learning or, you know, they just pick math and reading and they do a half an hour of math and two hours of reading, you know, whatever, whatever that is that you agree upon with your kid that is really important they may have certain areas where you want to work with them more and certain areas where, you know, they, they just work on that themselves and, and have a plan for when they're going to be working. Then there's lunch, then there's two or three hours outdoors. I highly encourage my son, one of my sons goes to a Waldorf school and the teacher emailed me and said that she recommends three to four hours of outdoor play a day. And for some people that seems like a no-brainer. Like, of course, my kids play outside all, to, all the time. But I live in suburbia, and um, even though they have a park nearby, there can be many days during the summer when they are inside all day, and they are wanting to play video games all day. And that drives me crazy. So saying that and putting structure in a place like, okay, from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, or one o'clock to four o'clock, you are outside playing with your brothers and, you know, you can play with other kids. Just don't touch them. Don't sneeze on them. Don't get too close with them. You know, you can skateboard and bicycle and stuff like that, right? With other kids. Um, but outdoors. Now, one of my kids in particular doesn't want to be around other people at all. So he's being extra cautious, but um, you may still want to allow that, you know, that they're able to play outside and and um, be with kids and there's a certain time to do that. And then they come inside and they work on something else or they can play video games for an hour and a half. They help with dinner. And then after dinner, maybe we all watch a family movie or maybe we play a board game or do something, some type of family craft or project together. So you want to have a plan. Okay. That's number one. 
Number two is you want to check in with your kids on the plan. So during the day, now for me, homeschooling does not mean sitting next to them all day while they're doing their reading or their math, or um, it may I may be working with them once we do science projects. But um, for me, homeschooling while during this break does not mean me sitting next to them while they're doing all their stuff. It means me giving them that time to do it and checking in on them. You know, so each hour or two, checking in on them. How's it going? What did you accomplish? What's next? And, you know, giving them a little rub on the head and, and just, you know, or a hug or whatever and connecting with them and, you know, commenting or, um, question, you know, give me a question like, Oh, how did you do this? Or how did you do that? Or, um, this looks really great. You know, just commenting on the work that they're doing. So checking in on them, if you just completely leave them alone, they will not feel like the structure is, um, serious or that you meant it. And then they will just start sneaking, playing video games or, you know, not doing any of the homework that they said that they were going to do, right? They will just do their own thing. So you want to check in on with them so that they know that you're serious about the plan. And then uh, and then it becomes serious to them. And then number three, you want to give them the freedom to choose. We, we really will not be happy during this month off or any time actually in parenting our children if we are rigid and authoritative and controlling about every single thing they do, they will resent us and we will um, resent them resenting us, right? And we will be angry and forceful and like steamrolling them into doing things. Everyone does much better with choice, right? Choosing what we want to study and learn or the activities that we want to participate in has us be much more engaged and happy and, um, and actually learning something, you know, most, most people won't even learn if they're being forced to say something, you know, over and over again, you know, spelling or math, like they just won't learn it. If you, if you have them choose, you know, even if it's between, doing one type of workbook or a different one, you know, or one website or another, at least they're choosing which website that they want to use for their math games. They're choosing uh, which book they want to read. They're choosing if they want to write a, you know, fiction piece or a nonfiction piece, you know, their opinion or, you know, act like they're writing a story, like a reporter, you know, give them a choice on what they're doing and they will be much more excited about it. Number four, invite them to participate with you on the things that you're working on. So it's really important for us to share what we do for our jobs. And this is a great opportunity to do that. We are, most of us are going to be working from home or if we're not already, and there's tasks that we do and our kids are going to come up to us. They're going to want, they're going to seek your attention and they're going to come up to you and be like, you know, they won't say, I want your attention, but they'll wander into the room and they'll be like, on board, you know, and, and you could be like, oh, hey, really good to see you. Come on over here. I want to show you something. And, or can I show you something? Right. And they'll be like, yeah, okay. And, um, or they'll be like, what, you know, and they'll just say, just come on over here for a second. I want to show you something. And so show them what you're working on, ask them their opinion about it, maybe, or ask them to help you in a certain way. You know, if there's something that you need assembled, stickers put on something, or papers arranged, or something online that needs to be alphabetical. I don't, you know, I don't know. Whatever that is that you do with your work, 
try to look for ways that you can invite your child to participate in what you do. They will get a peek at, you know, what you do and what the world, you know, the regular job world like, you know, job, the world is like of jobs, you know, of different types of tasks that people do. Um, you will be able to connect with them. They'll learn something new. You'll learn something about them. And, um, and you know that it's it will just be a really good bonding experience. Now, sometimes you need to make a deal with them. They won't want to do some of the things that you you may want them to do. Um, and especially with boys, um, that's my primary experience in dealing with children. Is um, I do have four nieces, but I'm mostly around my boys. Boys love to make deals, so you can make a deal with them. You could say, "Hey, I've got these." this stack of, you know, letters that need to be mailed out and I need them stuffed into these envelopes and, you know, like licked and put stamps on them or, you know, the address stamped on and the regular stamp. Um, if you, if you do this for me, then how about, you know, we do, I don't know, we go get boba together afterwards or something like that. Or we, if you have to stay home, um, or we play, um, a game of chess afterwards or something like that, or checkers or whatever, you know, so make a deal with them, whatever it is that your kid likes to do, um, make a deal with them so that they're helping you out and you're spending time together while they're doing that. And, uh, and then they get to do something that is high on their list of fun afterwards. Even if you have to give up a few minutes of your work time in order to spend time with them, now is the time to do that. I think across the board, employers, are going to be understanding that when people work from home with their kids, they're not going to get as much done work, as much done with their work as they normally would have. Um, and, and there's going to be some leeway that employers are going to have to give in order to uh, successfully allow their employees to manage this home time with their families and their work. There's going to need to be some balance there. So allow yourself time to be with your kids and to create something with them. Okay. And number five, oh, that's actually get creative. So at school, they always have art time. Well, let's make sure to have, you know, creative time at home. It doesn't take much to buy a few art supplies. Um, you can make a lot of things based on, you know, um, objects that you have around the house. My mom used to be in a nursery school, coordinator. So she would, she was in charge of the nursery schools for the state of Connecticut and she would drive around and check on them, their standards and, you know, what they were teaching the kids and all of that. And, and I, and I remember many times that by the front door, I, I would wake up and, or before bed, I even, I would see an oatmeal box that was made into a drum and a cereal box that was made into like a banjo, you know, objects objects that she would bring to the nursery school to show them that they can do these art projects with their kids by just having asking their kids to bring in a cereal box or an oatmeal box. And then at school with a little extra paper and some glue and rubber bands and things like that, they could actually make instruments out of cereal boxes. And, uh, and I just, I was really impressed by that, that my mom would take the time to make something creative at night, you know, after she came home from work, after dinner, you know, probably when we were doing our homework is when she did that. So there's a lot of creative things that you can do. And I'm sure you have the imagination to think of them yourselves. Um, but I'll just mention a few that I I loved. Recently, I was watching a video by a guy called Self-Sufficient Me. I believe he's either Australian or British. 
or maybe from New Zealand, not sure anyway, has an accent and a charming guy. And he shows a video, uh, one of them, which is like, I think it was like a gardening hack to, to garden in small spaces. And he turned a pallet, which was the side of his compost facing the sun into a wall garden. And you don't have to have a compost to do this, but you can get a pallet for free from your grocery store or a hardware store. And he just got a little bit of like black cloth and covered one side of it so the dirt wouldn't come out, the, the side that had the wider slats. And then on the other side, he pushed in um, the seedlings that had already been sprouted of lettuce and spinach and you know different things like that and made a beautiful wall garden all for the price of the black cloth and the dirt and, and of some plants, you know? So there are things that you can do in very small spaces. You could plant one of those types of wall gardens and put it on your porch. If you don't have a backyard, you can um, have your kids, you know, just buy a pack of seeds for a couple bucks. If you don't want to buy the plants and, and put them in there, you know, that are, are pre-grown and seeds cost two or $3 for a, a pack and you can get many of the, you know, you, you get dozens of seeds in one package. So you can have your kids planting seedlings now. It's now, now is the time to start growing food. Um, woodworking does not cost much money. There's tools that you can get online and there's um, videos on YouTube. Music, playing music is always a great thing to learn to do and cooking as well. Kids love to cook and they love to make cookies and, you know, all kinds of things. So that's a great thing to do with your kids. So get creative with your kids um, and give them a little bit of guidance and give them freedom too. Number six is nature time. This could be considered your science time. I know it's very cold in some areas, but kids can still go out in the snow and play in the snow and uh, they can, you know, learn things about icicles and certain kinds of trees, you know, different to how wide trees look differently in the winter time and, you know, different things like that. So make sure to get out into nature and to look at nature and talk about nature and enjoy nature. Number seven, teach them the basics. There are memes out there that say that most kids, you know, they don't know how to do things like change the oil on the car or um, sew a button on, you know, or patch their clothes or balance a checkbook, right? Things like that, that are really important for children to learn to know how to do. So make a little list for yourself of the things that you just, or, or look online, the basics that a kid should know and, and check off one of those, have them learn one of those things each week or every other day and spend a little time to teach them the basics. We will have much more confident children in our world if, if they know the basics. Number eight is, um, math. One of my children wanted to know, do we have enough supplies? So he figured out calorie wise and then transferred it to cups that we need to have a cup and a half of beans and two cups of cooked rice per person in order for them to have nearly 2,000 calories to be able to survive. Now, and that's just with black beans and rice, but your children may want to have other things like vegetables or pasta or other things. So go ahead and ask your kids, you know, if, if we need, you know, how many calories do we need a day? And if we have this many people in the family and we have this much rice and beans or whatever food it is, um, how long do we, how, how many days do we have of supplies, right? Give them some math problems and ask them to figure it out. 
And, um, and that will be, that will have everybody feel assured too, that you have enough supplies for a certain amount of time. Number nine is writing. We kind of already talked about that, but you want to make sure that your kids keep up their writing skills, but it could be about, you know, really fun things. It could just be keeping a journal. You could ask them to keep a journal every day and write about their experience and, um, or create stories. If they're, if they really resist the writing, you can have, you can go around the table and make up a story as a family after dinner. That is super fun. And number 10, current events and history. So you want to make sure that your kids are getting their information about what's happening right now from reliable uh, sources. There is a lot of information out there right now by anonymous people, people whose names are uh, not, you know, revealed. And I seriously question information and predictions coming from people who will not reveal their identities. That just doesn't seem to make any sense to me at all. If you're not accountable for what you're saying, how could it, you know, anybody, how can anybody rely on it being true? So uh, just like I won't put press releases out or articles out unless I have sources, I'm not going to be very happy about my kids learning information from people who won't reveal who they are, right? And what their sources are. So be aware that there's information out there on the internet coming from very unreliable sources. And we want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're learning information from the right places and you want to talk about it. You know, just ask your kids, how do you feel about this? And, you know, are you scared or are you happy just to be home? And what do you think? You know, a lot of kids, they're not asked their opinion about what's going on. They feel like they're just being told what to do. So take a few moments and ask them and connect with them and also ask them what, you know, again, what they would like to do, what they would like to learn, what type of books they would like to learn, you know, are there other skills they would like? We just, we went on a nature walk yesterday and we realized that one of the parks near us has a tennis court and one of my sons wants to learn tennis. And I was like, well, my goodness, it doesn't cost much to buy some tennis balls and a couple tennis rackets. I mean, we we were looking at hours and hours of fun that could be had. And we didn't realize that this tennis court, you know, for free is just a five minute walk away. I know kind of ridiculous that, but there was just a certain direction we hadn't gone in as a family in a certain park we hadn't gone to. So we went there and we found it. And now we know that, you know, here's something that our kids can do that is basically free and will be a lot of fun. So I hope that you take this time to create a plan with your family and have this time be successful for you. Have this be a time when you're like, wow, what a great opportunity for us to be together. What a wonderful thing that we created with this, you know, woodworking bowl or knitting, learning how to knit or playing songs or um, playing games with each other. You know, you don't have to have something to show at the end, like, you know, 20 pieces of art or something. If you don't want to, it could just be that you, you play chess 20 times with your kids, you know, and you have these memories that you will, you will never regret. You will never regret spending time with your children and laughing with them and creating with them. You will probably regret not spending time with them and doing too much work or, um, you know, just being depressed or watching, five hours worth of news when you really only needed five minutes, right? To get up to date. So 
don't live a life of regret. Do the things that you really want to do with your children and enjoy them. And the other thing I want to suggest for success is to have um, a family meeting. Now, many of you will be feel will feel like you're having family meetings quite often if you're getting up and eating breakfast together. That's been one thing that's been really great we've been doing. Um, I've been making breakfasts that are um, more involved than on the school days and we've been eating together. And so you may feel like you're having family meetings when you do that, but I like to have a designated family meeting time on Sundays. And what we do for us after church is, um, we have, you know, lunch and then we have a family meet family meeting, or sometimes it's in the car on the way home from church. And we talk, we go around and either oldest or youngest first, and we say what worked for us that week. So it has us sort of reviewing the week before us and thinking about what worked and also what didn't work for us. And um, then we also say what we're looking forward to in the coming week. And then we acknowledge someone. And it's really wonderful to hear each child talking about what worked for them, what didn't work for them, and for us to be with their complaint, you know, if it didn't work for them, that daddy was grumpy or that mommy was bossy, you know, whatever that was, we just be with it. We just listen to it. And then it's wonderful to hear them acknowledging each other or us as parents. And so I invite you to take that in as a practice, you know, listening to each other, acknowledging each other, being with each other, and enjoying this time that we have together now. And see it as see it as a gift, and you will have a very successful lockdown <laughs> or time with your family, um, if you want to look at it that way instead. And so I wish you a wonderful day with your family and uh, a wonderful next few weeks and a wonderful life. And thank you very much for listening. I appreciate your time with me. <laughs>